All right, it's Chander with the Contemporary Horsemanship Podcast, and today I wanted to do an updated version about leading. So I made a podcast a while ago about leading, probably, and I think I looked it up, it was in 2020, so it's been a few years now. But I wanted to do a little bit of an updated one because I'm always learning and changing and um, trying to find the best way to teach horses things. Um, so yeah, that's, we're going to do an updated version on how to teach a horse to lead. So first of all, I'm going to go through the first, um, way that I prefer to do stuff. So that's going to be teaching a horse to lead with a target. So first you're obviously going to need to condition your horse to touch a target and then to follow a target. That's going to be your prerequisite. So, um, I go into detail on that in my podcast on how to teach a horse to touch a target, but I'm going to do a quick review here and then I'll talk about how to get one to follow a target. So first, um, get uh, some kind of target. So like you can buy them online um, or you can make one. Like I have an old dressage whip that I kind of cut like the lash off and then I just had like vet wrap around the end. That worked pretty well. Um, or what I did later on was I cut a piece of pool noodle and I put that over the vet wrap and then it kind of stayed on there better. And that's a little bit easier for the horses to see. But lots of people can use different things. Like you can use a crop. I used that with my Mustangs in the beginning. That might be hard if your horse has been hit with a whip. So they might have a different idea of what that's for. And there might be some fear in there. Like my Mustangs didn't cause they've never been hit with a whip. So they didn't understand. They didn't know any better. They just think it's a target. But if your horse has ever been ridden or hit with a crop, um, just be careful with that. Cause they might have some just fear, um, associations already built in. Um, and then you can also use like a fly swatter. I've seen people do that. Just lots of different things. I see a lot of pool noodles on sticks. That works pretty well. Um, like I had like a training stick when I did a lot of like natural horsemanship stuff. So I just took the lash off again and I popped a pool noodle on the end of that and work, that works pretty well as well. Um, it just gives a little bit of a, a more, obviously a target, but like a bigger piece for the horse to see versus just having them touch a stick. So First is making that, and then you want to get your horse conditioned to that. So um, I usually like to condition the horse to the click separately so they already understand what the click is. So I'll just run through that real quick. So um, usually start protected contact, or like I'll just be feeding my horse in a bowl, something pretty low value, so pieces of hay, chopped hay, um, Timothy hay pellets, stuff like that. So I'd throw like a handful of hay pellets in the bowl. And then when they're just eating relaxed, I'll click and I'll put more in and I'll click and put more in. And then eventually I'll wait until the horse picks their head up. I'll click and then feed and then throw it in the bucket. And then I'll move on to when the horse picks their head up and they keep their head nice and relaxed. Um, I'll click and then feed for my hand. Um, and that associates it pretty well. And then you can start bringing in the target. Um, again, if you want to see that process, like, um, visually, I have videos at contemporary horsemanship on YouTube or on Patreon. I have just a general ones. Like I kind of pick and choose, um, the ones that I put on YouTube, but everything is on Patreon. If you want to check those out, you can see that whole process with my Mustangs and I've, I've got a few other horses on there, but anyways, so then once they are conditioned to the click, then I will start presenting the target. So just kind of depending on the horse here, because some horses are going to be more fearful than others. Um, most domestic horses are not going to be afraid of a target, but a more wild or feral horse might be. So just kind of present it at a distance. When they look at it, click feed. Then when they get closer to it, click feed. And then eventually till they touch it, click feed. So until they continually, every time you present the target, they want to touch it, you click and then feed them. So the target is also going to end up being that cue to touch it. So from there, we'll teach the horse to lead with the target. 
So the biggest piece of about teaching this is going to be not worrying so much about the horse touching it. Like we want to do that in the beginning because we want to encourage that movement to go forward and follow the target. So that's why we do that in the beginning. But that's not what I want later on because that's where you can get a lot of pinning ears, chasing it. Like they'll never be able to reach it because you want to create movement with it instead of just having them reach it as fast as possible. And that can create frustration in the horses because they can't get to the target and they want to touch it versus clicking and then reinforcing them for following it. That's a huge difference. That's really important. And I made that mistake early on. So I'd first start with like a couple steps um, and then they follow the target, click while they're following it and not once they've already gotten up and touched it and then feed. And then slowly you can build up the amount of steps that they do, that they take to, to follow it. Um, occasionally you can have them touch it just to build that up that behavior. Um, especially if you're going to be like, if you're teaching a feral horse to lead, they, there might be times where that horse is worried or afraid of something and they just might need to, to touch the target and be reinforced as like a, just like a little safety blanket, something that they know that they can do and be successful at. Um, and you can reinforce them for it. So it's just a little break between something that might be more scary. So um, and that'll come in handy too. Um, I also use the target for turning and for backing up. I mean, I use the target for everything, but as far as we're talking about leading here, um, I also do like turning left, turning right, backing up. So same kind of thing. Instead of just going forward, like let's say I want to turn to the right, I'll be walking forward and then I'll start turning to the right, but I will stick my right arm out and kind of hold it up underneath the horse's chin as long as they're gentle enough that that's not going to scare them. I'm just going to assume that they are at this point. Um, so that they can follow it or that they're not that close if they're they are afraid of having your arm kind of go under the neck if they want to be behind you a little bit more that would work as well and then once they start turning to the right to follow that target that's when you're going to click and feed and again not for touching it just for following it to the right same thing to the left and same thing backing up so i just for backing up i bring it up under their nose and then once they start shifting that weight back then i'm going to click and feed and then again just like leading forward i'm going to start with the weight shift then i'll take one step two steps three steps and so on and then if you want to listen to the last podcast that explains how to put a cue on behavior so then you can put a cue on um you're leading you're turning well, maybe not turning necessarily but you could um and you're backing up specifically so um but yeah so that's the how to teach um, leading with a target just kind of in a little condensed version. So I like using it because when I first got my Mustangs, um, Caster was really easy to teach how to lead. Like he's very curious. He was did not care about the rope. He didn't care about wearing the halter. He just followed it around and it was the easiest thing ever. Um, and there are a lot of Mustangs like that. Like if you see a lot of videos about them where they just pop the halter on and let them around, those are the easy horses. They're not amazing trainers. I'm not an amazing trainer. He just, he was cool. It was, I had an amazing horse. Um, the other ones that you see, which was my other Mustang, which if I would have continued doing the same process I did with Castor with Atlas, who is more fearful, then I would have had your typical, what I would think a person thinks of when they think of Mustang taming, I guess or breaking or whatever you want to call it um, because you're going to see the horse have a huge reaction to the lead rope, pull back, lots of rearing. I see lots of horses rearing up and in response to that pressure, they feel it behind their pole or behind their ears on their pole and that scares them and they rear up and they pull away and it's a big deal. So that's, I think, what most people think of when you hear of like halter breaking a Mustang. And that was not something that I was cool with. Um, not only am I not strong enough for that, because in order to 
make that negative reinforcement contingency work. I have to hold on and keep that pressure until he stops doing the behavior that I don't want and he does the behavior that I do want. So I have to hold on to that lead rope and while they pull back or try to run away or bolt or rear or whatever, and then when they stop and they come forward off that pressure, that's when I release. But my Atlas, my Mustang Atlas is... 13 hands like he is technically a pony but he was so fearful like he would just bolt and run and he would leave and I can't hold on to him and then when that happens that bolting is being reinforced so when they turn usually like let's say we're we're leading and I'm on my horse's left side usually they'll turn to the outside so they'll turn to your right and they'll just get their nose to the right and they can just leave and there's really not a whole lot you can do about it um one thing that you can do is put them in a round pen with a rope long enough to where they end up like getting to the panel of the round pen. But again, that's also dangerous. They could run into the round pen panel. You can get tangled in the rope. They could get tangled in the rope. They could jump out of the round pen. It's just, it's very traumatic and it's very intense. So I don't recommend that. But if you're going to do that, that's what I would do. So have that longer lead rope, not just grab and yank and pull the horse, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But if they go to run off, trying to hold onto that pressure until they get to the end of the panel and hopefully they'll stop and turn and you can give to that because for that to work, they have to have a release of pressure when they stop pulling, stop bolting, stop running away and come off that pressure. So you can really teach a horse to rear and bolt um, pretty quickly like that. So you have to keep that pressure on until you get the behavior you want, or you're teaching your horse to do those things because they're getting a release of pressure when they leave. And that's not something that I wanted to do with Atlas. Um, it's just, <laughs> I don't want him to teach, I don't want to teach him bad things. And I also am not strong enough to do it. And even if I was, I don't feel comfortable doing that anyway, because I think it scares the horses too much and there's an easier way to do it. So anyways, um, when I first was getting him used to the halter, he was very fearful of the halter. He was very fearful of ropes in general. So that just was not going to work out. So instead I used the target and that worked really well. He caught on pretty quickly. So I learned a lot of stuff from him from not just forcing him and chasing him and scaring him. Instead, I learned how to teach horses to lead with a target. I had a target. He had already known how to touch it, how to follow it. And then I just slowly introduced leading first just at liberty, then with a halter on, then with, I had like a little piece of twine that I just looped through the halter ring. So like if he decided he needed to leave, that's totally fine. I can let go. If he steps on the um, looped up twine, it'll just pull right out and it's not a big deal. Um, the, the, the twine is kind of like, it's a little redneck, like, but that's what I use at the time. Now I've moved on to, I have like the lash off of my training stick. Like I mentioned earlier, I use that, that works really well. And then it's a little bit easier to hold. It's not as thin as bailing twine. So I loop that through the halter. And by that, I mean, there's like the little ring on the bottom of your halter. I just put it through there so that it's like halved over like they use on like racehorses so that if he were to leave I could just let go and it's not a big deal he's not going to step on the re lead rope and scare himself all he would do is if he stepped on it it would pull out unless he stepped on both sides but I use a shorter one like that lash just because of that and I would um, warn against that in the beginning I would use a short rope like that something that's only a couple feet long so that he is less likely to step on both ends feel that pressure on the halter and get scared because the same thing happens there um, and I want to talk about that for a second because I want to talk about drag lines too so a lot of people when they get mustangs in 
they pop a halter on them when they're in the chute and they'll attach a lead rope and they think that they'll just kind of teach themselves how to halter or not halter, but how to lead and how to give to pressure um, because they'll have that, um, that lead dragging. So first of all, the lead dragging is very dangerous. The halter on the horse is very dangerous because it doesn't really work with like a breakaway halter. So you might have like a pretty strong leather halter that might work that might break under pressure, but if they step on that and they really pull their head up, they're gonna break that halter. And that's a good thing for safety, but again, with that negative reinforcement contingency, they're gonna learn that if they feel pressure on their head and they pull hard enough, they'll break that halter and that pressure will stop. So again, we're teaching a horse something not great. Breakaway halters, on the other hand, like a nylon breakaway halter with a little leather piece, like that'll pop right off because that leather is made specifically to break. So it's very, very thin. So that won't really work either. Um, so again, you'll have that same thing where you teach them to pull away, to get away from that pressure. And then the things that really make me nervous is when you just put a nylon halter on a horse or just put a rope halter on a horse and then hope that you can get it halter broke and responding to that pressure pretty quickly so that you can take it off. Um, that makes me really nervous. Um, and I that's why I decided not to do that when I got my Mustangs. And I'm very happy that I didn't do that because what people are trying to do is the rope drags, the horses bound to step on it at some point. Some horses will and they'll, they'll step on it and they'll give to that pressure. That does happen, but that's not... Uh, the general rule essentially like some horses what like caster was so easy to halter break and lead and do whatever like he probably would have been totally cool he just didn't care but he's not he's the exception he's not going to be a normal wild horse if I would have done that to atlas he would have been absolutely terrified so not only does it scare them because now they have that drag rope it looks like something's chasing them so you could get a horse that's jumping out running into things running into fences running into people other horses very dangerous because they think that something's chasing them then you can also get a horse traumatized because they run away and they can't escape it so flooding so they'll get some learned helplessness in there like whatever they do they cannot escape so usually you'll get the pattern of horses running um the thing's still chasing them that's not working so then they stop and they freeze and this the rope's still there and then that doesn't work and then they'll explode and then they'll freeze and they'll explode and then they'll freeze and that's really dangerous um but even let's say the horse just steps on it and they pull on it and they're still standing on it and they can't give like what they end up doing is like they'll pull and then they'll stop so they're not being really soft to the lead rope and like figuring out to go toward the pressure and be really soft and calm. They just pull and they can't do anything and then they come back. And so there's still a lot of tension there that you can definitely hurt them. Um, pull, like they'll pull on their necks and their poles um, right behind their ears. Uh, all of that, you could really damage that just by having that drag rope on. So um, that's not something that I want. I want my horse to understand what the lead rope means. And that's how the target helps me. It's not that I never put pressure on my horses. It's because I teach them how to deal with it with a target. So it makes sense. And I can help them along, show them the answer with the target, and then reinforce that behavior with food. So I'm not saying that, oh, I never put pressure. I don't ever lead them with a rope. That's not true. Both my Mustangs lead with a, with a halter and a lead rope. But this is how I taught it versus just hoping they figure it out with a drag rope or just pulling on them until they figure it out. So the other thing about drag ropes and halters in general that freak me out and is dangerous is that they could also get a foot caught in it. They could get it caught on something else. They could get it caught on a bucket, a 
fence rail, lots of things, um, but mostly like their foot. They're going to pull and they're going to panic and then they can break their necks, they can break their legs. It's, it's very, very dangerous. So the people who do do this, um, I don't live on the edge that much. Um, I know some people who do it and they just let them drag it for a little bit and they're going to go in there and they're going to halter break it as soon as possible, which I'm still kind of iffy about, but then they take it off. Um, I would definitely not recommend it for people who are new to this or who don't 100% know that they're going to halter break that Mustang within a couple days because then you can't get close to the horse. You can't get it off and then that creates a whole nother problem. So Anyways, my little spiel on drag ropes. Um, as far as using the target for guidance, like I talked about a little bit, um, you can show them the answer. So once the horse is following nicely and you've got your little lead rope on and they're cool with just having it, having it attached to the halter, having it move underneath their nose. That was a big thing for Atlas was having it touch like his muzzle underneath. That was really scary. Having it move underneath his neck and like hang underneath the halter. That was also scary. So I had to condition all of that things or counter condition them because they were scary to him and I needed to make them uh, non-scary. So um, that, that was a, a big thing just before I even did any leading, he needed to do all of that first. And then I'm just going to hold the rope and just do all of my leading off of the target. Then I'll start introducing those pressure tactile cues. So then I will just kind of barely take the slack out of the rope and then I will let go and I'll show him the answer with the target. So it's not negative reinforcement because I'm taking the slack out of the rope. I'm showing him a tactile cue, let going, letting go, and then showing him the target because I'm teaching him a tactile cue. So I'm letting go of that pressure because it's not negative reinforcement. It would be if I held pressure and I waited, which is fine, you could do that. I would not do escalating pressure, but I could do just pressure for a little bit of pressure and then he could come forward and figure it out. And I usually do that later on, but in the beginning, I definitely like to use the target and teach that tactile cue because for some horses, even that little bit of pressure is scary and they might have a big reaction to that. So I apply pressure, I let go because I'm showing him that this is a cue and then I show him the answer with the target. Then once he moves forward, I would click and feed. Same thing going from side to side. So we want to go to the right. I take the slack out of the rope going to the right and pull a little bit to the right, let go, show him with the target, click feed. It also helps if you just have that target in your hand where you're leading because he's going to follow that too. Same thing to the left and backing up, all of that stuff. And then you can slowly add up steps just like you did with the target. But the target part has to be really solid um, before you add that. And then later on, I would go ahead and you could use that um, non-escalating pressure. So I just hold the lead rope and he backs up a step. I let go. Um, and you can add the click and treat there. Or then if I want to build it up, I can hold it. He backs up two steps. I let go. I click at the same time and I feed him his treat. So I'm going to build up the whole, the whole time. The whole process is more and more steps. Um, and then he gets a reward at the end. And then eventually the goal is definitely to fade that out. So fade the target out. So in the beginning, I'm definitely holding the target in my hand every time that I'm leaning him. Then I start just keeping it on me. So I usually put it like in my feed pouch, like in the strap. So I have it if I need it, but it's not in my hand. So he gets the idea to just follow the, the lead rope. And then um, eventually you're just not going to need it. And you can just, um, what I would like to do though, a little side note is teach the hand target. So if for some reason, um, I don't know, something scary happens and your horse is just like, can't think, then you can show them your hand because you're going to have that with you. Show them your hand target and then the horse can follow your hand 
and click and be reinforced for that. So he can kind of bring him back to something that he knows and is comfortable with and you can lead him through that. So I do personally like doing that. I taught my Mustangs that really early on. Um, one part of that though, they have to touch your hand with a closed mouth. That's really important. You can't teach them to touch it with the open mouth. Um, you could definitely teach your horse to bite. That's not something you want, but just touching with their nose with their mouth closed. But then you have it later on and just in case something happens, then you can help them out. Um, and then I would definitely make sure before you get to that point that you can actually have an actual lead rope on. So once I move on from like the half over, well, actually let me back up. So first I have that short half over rope. So I have like that little lash that I have just um, looped through my halter and that's a short one. I do that. And then I have a little bit longer one that I just cut from a piece of rope and it's probably four feet long once it's halved over something like that. So he's got maybe five. So he's got a little bit more space so he can move around a little bit more. Um, it'll be more like just normal leading. Um, and then I work with that. And then once my horse is t totally cool with that, then I will have the lead rope. And before that also, I would have him get used to ropes dragging next to him, get ro used to ropes dangling under his face, um, being like have being touched on his legs, things like that. Because the lead rope, there's always a chance that once you put on a lead rope that um, he could get scared, he could run away, and then he could feel the rope on his legs, he could see it dragging on the ground, and then that would scare him more. So I would just prepare him for that ahead of time. Then at that point, I would actually clip on a lead rope. Again, being in a safe location, so round pen, arena, start there, and then move out to a little bit scarier places as you go. Um, and I like to start in a really short rope. So I bought a horse a long time ago that came with a looks like a rope that had been cut, like someone had been tied and they cut it loose. So it's shorter than most lead ropes. I think it's maybe like four feet. I usually use it for my mini horse. And most people would throw that away, but actually I love that lead rope because it's short. So then if my, when I'm training, like if my horse were to leave for whatever reason, it's not gonna like drag like a really long rope and be super scary. It's also really stiff because it's very old. And so it's not going to get tangled up in his legs. So I actually really love that rope. So I would recommend maybe finding one at like a yard sale or tax sale of some kind, probably like cheap, very cheap or free because they're old, um, but it's perfect. It works great for training. So then once they have that rope, then I'll move up to just a regular short one, like a, I think eight or 10 foot lead. And then if you want, you can go ahead and put on the training lead once your horse is totally cool with leading, giving to pressure, following you. Um, and it's cool with ropes being around him because that training lead is going to be the, like the highest level, because if he got away from you, it definitely looks like it's chasing him because it's very long. It could get tangled on his legs. It could get tangled in something else. So I would just wait to use that later on. So then I wanted to talk about, um, why I wanted to update this. So I listened to my old episode a little bit where I was definitely doing a lot more negative reinforcement. And I talked about, having the horse lead. And then if he got too close to you, you just kind of swing the rope at him. And then it, it's, if it hits him in the chest, like it, it hits them. Um, and I was explaining that and I would definitely, I just want to say that I would not use that on every horse. So I don't know if I made that clear in that episode because I definitely was probably using that a lot more then, but I would not, that's not like a normal thing that I would use on every horse now. I could see if you had a horse that's got like very bad leading manners and that's doesn't understand like clicks and stuff because 
you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I'm not saying I'm going to go ahead and just like attack him with the rope and hit him a lot. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, let's say I'm leading. He's getting really close to where it would be dangerous. I would stop and then I would just keep facing forward and just kind of swing my lead rope behind me to just kind of clear that area. It definitely is negative reinforcement or actually would be positive punishment because I'm adding that pressure of the lead rope and it would hit him on the chest. I'm just not going to do it very hard and I'm not going to do it in every situation. So that would just be a horse that like I need you to get out of my space like and I, I want him back but that's not something I would do all the time. So I wanted to clarify that. Um, if I had a horse instead that needed training on that specific skill I would definitely work on teaching him what the click means, teaching him to follow a target, because you can fix that really easy with the target. Um, I just continually reinforce him for being way behind me, not way behind me, but like a, a safe distance behind me and only reinforcing like if I stop and and then I want to reinforce him, I would just reach my hand back as far as I can. So he takes like two steps back. He only gets reinforced back there. Um, working in protected contact, like an around the round pen so that I can work on leading without being worried about him getting too close to me. Those are all good options. Um, but that would just be if, you know, just for whatever reason, I, I had to um, make some distance between a horse and myself, but that's not my go-to for sure. Um, I would definitely want to train it with a, um, with a target. And that's going to be easier too than training it with like negative reinforcement because usually those horses are pretty dull to a lot of pressure. So that's why I go to that just like swinging of the rope. If I'm holding and like holding the pressure and then the horse backs up, those are going to be your horses that lead pretty well. Those are usually not going to be the ones that are um, pulling you and dragging you because they're at the point where they're, they're not listening to light pressures and they're just kind of going. So um, yeah, that's why that works on them a little bit. But yeah, if I was going to retrain it, it would definitely use the target and definitely pay attention to where I'm feeding so that horse always gets fed back away from me and he gets reinforced for giving me space too. So just like when I was teaching the horse to follow the target, I can teach them to follow it at a certain distance. So I can teach them to follow me at a certain distance if I just continually reinforce them for being in that correct distance. Um, so anyways, the other thing, um, the reason that I wanted to make this episode too was that I had uh, an a situation a couple weeks ago where my Mustangs have like a track system. So um, they're both like very easy keepers. So they're on a track so they can go around the perimeter of their field and they can graze and they graze a lot less because it's just like, um, I believe it's like nine feet wide. So they can both get next, like next to each other and get through there and they can turn around, but they only eat on that outside of their of their pastures and then it also helps create um, a lot more movement so that they can exercise more but anyways they have that they're on that together during the day and then at night they're separated and I just have like a little divider because it's just easier to feed them during that but they still have contact with each other the entire time and I'm working on making it to where they can be out together all the time but anyways so they have this little divider and everything is just like little step in posts with hot wire and they are really good about the hot wire and they have been pretty much since I got them but we had gotten a storm and it was just like a quick like spring storm and it was pretty intense it was really windy and I didn't think anything of it earlier I thought oh it's gonna rain later but not be like really windy and intense and so I have those like little blue barrels that are just plastic and they're pretty lightweight and so I asked my husband to go grab them and I usually just throw them in the horse trailer because I usually use them as like a stand for my camera when I'm 
um, doing trailer training. So they're all right next to there. I was like, oh, can you go grab them and put them in there? Because I didn't want them to fall over and blow into the pasture and scare the horses. So I had him go do that, like right as the storm rolls in. So he was out there putting the barrels in there. And I guessed the wind caught the trailer door and it smacked against the side of the arena because I have it backed up to like a gate so that I can have the horses loose while I'm trailer training. And then, so it's all windy. I had just set up this track system, which was very new to the horses at the time. And then um, the storm came and, and the wind scares Atlas anyways. And then this big boom happened when the door hit the thing and he ran and he ran right through the fence um, not outside. He ran from his pasture into Castor's pasture and he was totally fine. Just broke a pole and broke the little like gate. It's like a little handle that you have the little hot wire on. No big deal. Totally fine. That's why I love those um, little step in posts and like electric wire because it just breaks and it's not a big deal. My perimeter fencing is much bigger than that too as well. Um, but anyways, he popped through there and then he comes back in and he's like, Atlas is loose. We got to go get him. And I was like, okay. So, cause I didn't want, I want them to be out together, but I don't want them to be out like running around and all worried. And I had just set up the track thing and, um, yeah, so I didn't, I wanted to put him back on his side for the night and, um, I couldn't get him to go through back where he had come because he got scared when he ran through the fence and it was like a perfect storm of literally um, why he he ran through it because he never does he's never done that before, but I think he, that was a new like setup for him. And then the bang and the wind all happened at once, and it's so again trigger stacking. All these things happen, and then he's just like, oh my gosh, it was terrifying. So anyway, he didn't want to go back through there. I was I usually like when I separate them, I just throw some feed in a bucket. I feed Castor first, and then I show Atlas that I have it, and he comes around when I shut the gate, and it's no big deal. He was not having that. He was like, no, 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 it's too scary. I can't do it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we'll open the main gate. I'll let him out into the yard, which is also fenced. And you've seen it in my videos. Um, and then I'll put him back through his main gate. And that'll work. So I had him follow me. And then he got to the to Caster's gate. Caster's fine. He's eating by himself. And then now he's kind of generalized that, oh my gosh, all gates are like narrow areas or scary because he had just run through that one. He thought it bit him. You know, it was scary. It was on. So I had him follow my hand target through and very slowly, he just would take a step. I would click feed, take another step, click feed. I had to break it down to something that he knew and was comfortable with um, so that he'd go through. Then I had him go through there. I put some feet on the ground and then I was like, okay, we'll have him go um, through his main gate and I shut his. And he was really struggling with going through the gate. So I got my target out and I had to do the same thing, putting him back on his side through the gate, but it worked perfectly like he didn't want to come forward for the bucket of food he didn't want to come forward for just you know me asked like come on Alice let's go like usually that's what he's he's totally cool with but that was not what was going on there and he was just genuinely terrified like he was had his eyes really wide he was like snorting he didn't really want to go forward and so if I would have just like put the halter on and yanked him to go in there he would just run off like it just scared him more but instead having the target I could show him like hey remember this like this is great they have that good reinforcement history and it worked out perfectly so I brought my target out and I would just have him just a little bit, put it in front of his nose and then he'd walk forward. I would, I, at first I just started with one step, click feed. And then without that halter on, if he wanted to back away, he wanted to turn around, whatever, he was totally free to do so. So he kind of backed up a couple times. He was a little bit worried again about going through that gap. Um, and then I just did that one step at a time. And then as soon as he got to the middle of it, he was like, oh yeah, I can do this. And he just walked all the way in and I put him up. But I thought that was really cool how the target was 
so, so powerful in his brain, even though he was so afraid and it was really windy out, it was dark, it was raining, it was not fun. <laughs> but, um, but even though all of those things, he remembered that target and he followed it and he was like, okay, I can do this. And it helped him versus where just forcing him or like even leading him and putting any kind of pressure on him would have scared the crap out of him and made the situation much worse. So that was the main reason why I wanted to talk about this a little bit more and then also kind of update um, what I had before. But yeah, that's that was a cool little example with the target. So um, I also want to talk about teaching leading with non-escalating pressure. So negative, negative reinforcement, but if you're just like you don't want to use clear training or target, whatever. Um, just a couple of things, uh, what not to do. Um, no pull and hold. That's usually not going to do great. Like when horses feel that like tight, um, non, like non-moving pressure, they get scared and they feel really claustrophobic that they can't get away. That's why a lot of horses struggle with tying. Um, it's going to be the same thing if you're on the end of the lead rope too. So if you just grab them and hold them, that's going to scare them. I would just take the slack out. Start with just taking that slack out. Obviously, you're going to still hold, but not pull and hold. I don't want to pull and then like hold on and hopefully for the best and hopefully they'll figure it out. I want to show them the correct answer by starting with really gentle pressure. So I just take the slack out and I'll wait and then they can come forward. If they're having problems, if they're trying to back up or something, go with them. Don't hold them and, and force them to do it. You can back up with them and keep that like gentle little pressure there if they can handle it. Some horses still can't even handle that. That's where I would go and use that target. Um, I see that a lot during trailer loading. The horse is up. Let's say he's on the ramp. He's close or if he's halfway in um, and then he gets a little scared and the person putting the horse in the trailer will hold on to that lead rope. So they're getting pressure while they're still kind of in or around the trailer. Um, and that scares them more. They just feel more claustrophobic. So what I teach is we ask them to go on the trailer away and then I'll gently again, ask them in. If they don't, if they start backing out, I'll just follow them. I don't want to pull and hold and, and make them feel trapped, but I'll go with them until they come out, at least till they come like off the ramp or if there are, if there's no ramp, just a little bit off the trailer, then I'll I'll hold there and wait for them to come up. And then again, that's going to be different on every different horse, depending on how much pressure they can handle. But yeah, it's just going with them so they don't feel trapped there. Um, no hitting the horse. Like I'm not going to um, like swing it and like aggressively hit the horse. Like when I was talking earlier about um, like I swing that lead rope behind me, like it's going to end up hitting the horse, but I'm not going to like swing it at him and like aggressively do it um because there's a difference there like I'm gonna swing it and it's there like here is it's in my space it's clearing the space which again I don't want to do with all horses but I'm not going to turn around and like smack him on the chest or smack him on the neck so and again I don't I don't want to do that a lot but I, you definitely want to try to minimize that as much as possible um there's lots of different ways to teach it besides um, hitting them with the rope. So instead I would like to like, I like to swing the rope behind me. I don't want it to necessarily hit him, but I'm definitely not, it's not my goal to do it. I don't want to just smack him, like swing it really far or turn around and hit him. I just want to swing it behind me. And if it hits him a little bit, it, like he can back out of it, but I'm not gonna like swing it really hard and aggressively. So again, it's still trying to be at that like low pressure threshold. 
unless it's a really intense situation. Um, hopefully we can manage our environment a little bit better, but I know things happen, but I don't want to purposely like hit the horse and, and really get after them. That's not something I want to do. Um, I always apply pressure and release. So the horse is learning what to do when you release the pressure. If there's no release, the horse doesn't know what to do. So I see that sometimes where you you want the horse to go forward, he's not going forward, or he's not going forward fast enough, and you'll either hold and then the horse starts going forward and you continue pulling, that horse is, he's got no motivation to go forward now because there's pulling when either he stands still or he goes forward. So it's easier if he just stands still and gets pulled on, then goes forward and gets pulled on. So you have to release. If you want the horse to go faster, you can ask again, but as soon as he starts to speed up, you need to release. The release is very important. I see that with a lot of like domestic horses or the horses that will be deemed like lazy or really quiet because they, they're like, ugh, I don't need to go forward because you're always pulling them no matter what they do. So if the horse doesn't want to go forward, I'm going to just wait, just like I would do with the backup. I'm going to just take the slack out, wait. And then once he starts like just thinking about going forward, just shifting his weight forward, then I'd let go. Then I try again. And that's where that target comes in again, because that's motivating the horse to go forward. So it's going to help you out. But the release is very important. You don't want to just drag them around. They're never going to be light um, if you don't show them how. Because with negative reinforcement, the release is showing that that's the behavior you want. Um, when you give them that release, they're like, okay, if I do this behavior, then I get this release of this dis- discomfort. So that's very important. Um, escalation usually results in anger or fear on the horse. So I know horses can be really frustrating, um, but you usually are going to make it worse um, because then you're going to be chasing the horse, pulling on the horse, possibly hitting the horse with the lead rope. You're going to make it worse. You're going to scare the horse or if it's a horse that's doesn't get as scared easily, you might get a horse that's charging you, biting you, kicking you. That's definitely a possibility. So I would, just, if you're frustrated, just take a break, put the horse up, regroup, come back later. Um, and then, like I said earlier, certain circumstances, you can use more pressure for safety, but I would definitely not recommend it. Know that more pressure, there comes more fallout. So just be careful of that. I know sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but we, I really like to think about the environment. Think about how I could set this up for the horse to be um, successful and not scared or in danger or anything. Um, and so that I can get the best possible situation out of this. Um, and then again, I would plan ahead before getting into a situation. So practice contact, lots of training. Um, make sure your horse is leading super well before they go anywhere like in the open or off property those things really need to be um, sorted out. So I would definitely make sure like they can lead in all different locations around your house and they do it well and they do it the same way before you take them somewhere else because that environment's going to change, that context is going to change, so that training might not necessarily transfer. Um, so that's important. Um, and then um, to teach the horse the backup and the standstill, specifically with positive reinforcement, we forget about those things a little bit with about teaching the horse um, to stand still because that's such a given with negative reinforcement because that horse like doesn't want anything done with them. So they're going to take that opportunity to usually stand still unless they're um, got a lot of tension or they're really worried or something. Um, but teaching that horse to stop and stand while leading is or, really important. So you don't want to just reinforce, go forward, go forward, go forward, go forward, because that's all you're ever going to get then. And I made that mistake as well. So you want to teach walking forward nicely with you, then stopping, standing with you and backing up. So you always got to balance those behaviors, especially with positive reinforcement, since we don't think about it as much. Like we want to 
make sure that the horse will stand still when we need him to stand still and back up and we need him back up and we're not always just stuck going forward. So, and then usually you're going to have to wait those behaviors more because usually going forward is self-reinforcing to, to most horses. Um, sometimes not, but most horses so that you need to really do a lot more standing and backing than going forward. And that can be tough if you're like trying to go somewhere, obviously, but I would have the horse like, let's lead like 10 steps and then let's stop and let's just hang out and I'll do lots of like reinforcing for standing still and then we'll do leading and then we'll stop and do lots of reinforcement for standing still. So that kind of a thing. So they get most of their reinforcement for standing still and then also adding some backing up in there. Um, I also like to make sure that my horses can back up from consistent pressure. So that tactile cue, make sure they're okay with that and they feel okay with that. Um, and then shaking the rope too. So I teach that the same thing. I do a little tiny bit of pressure and then I can help show them the answer with the target. Click feed, shake the rope a little bit. They figure it out. And then you can click and feed and then you can fade the target out and you can add up how many steps that you want your horse to take. So you can have the same cues that you use with the negative reinforcement, but you can just teach them a different way. So hopefully all those things help you out, help you with any leading situations and make it a lot easier. I really found teaching horses to lead with the target so much easier than with negative reinforcement, but um, that's just me. So I think the target is a really useful tool.